0: welcome to sabbath school brought to you by it is written delighted to have you here with us today as we look at lesson number three on the book of genesis this week we're going to be diving into cain and his legacy and i am delighted to have back with us once again our guest for today dr philip Simon. he is an author a speaker he is professor emeritus of southern adventist university and last time we were here I mentioned that you had served as a professor for several semesters at the theological seminary at Andrews University which was accurate but perhaps not as accurate as could be for 10 years you were well, at Andrews I mean, University right I did serve for several many semesters if you add them up they come to 10 years 10 years that's that's a few semesters yes indeed delighted to have you back again dr. You. dr Simon. thank you now we're digging into the book of genesis here and we're we're kind of we're 3 weeks into a 13 week journey in your estimation, why is the book of Genesis so important for us to understand? What's there that we need to be able to grasp that helps us in our Christian walk?
1: Well, you know, the book of Genesis is really a summation of the whole Bible. It's introduction and the summation of the whole Bible. Uh, I mean, the subject creation is just very appropriate. And so I would like to use three words to answer your question. That is, God started, last time we discussed this together, with perfect creation. It was very good. And then, after that, there was what I call decreation, the antithesis of creation. And then, thank God, we conclude with the book of Revelation having to do with recreation. So it's just a complete picture. And I'm so glad also that God has not given us a philosophy of um, repeating things over and over again like a vicious cycle, like in Hinduism, But we have a linear model. There's a beginning, and there's an end. And there'll be an end of recreation and restoration. Which is beautiful. And it gives
0: us us hope. It gives, hopefully, you hope. I know it gives me hope. We can see where we've come from. We know where we are today. And we have a really good idea of where we're going, which takes away a lot of the mystery of what the future holds. We can face it with, I think, confidence and peace. That's true. That's true. Yep. So when we take a look at this segment here, this week, lesson number three, Cain and his legacy, things are kind of going downhill fast when we get into Genesis chapter 4, but Genesis 4 doesn't just start there. It kind of draws some things from a little bit earlier, from Genesis chapter 3. Connect where we were last week with where we are today.
1: Well, in Genesis chapter 3, we are told the serpent comes along, And disrupts his whole plan of trusting God. And he said, you shall not surely die. And it's so interesting, Eric, that the vast majority of people in the world, not just Hindus, not just Buddhists, but Christians, who disbelieve God's truth and believe Satan's lie. Because they believe you don't die, really. That life will continue forever, in hell or in nirvana or somewhere. It's fascinating
0: because God spoke it very plainly. There was no, should have been no misunderstanding, and, and yet uh, many Christians today have that misunderstanding that some part of you continues to go on, whether you call it the soul or the spirit or or whatever it happen, whatever name it happens to, to have. But that was part of the devil's original. Deception, And we can we can expect that if his original lie had something to do with death, that he's going to be working that same lie toward the very end of time as well.
1: And that's his specialty. He takes the plainest, the most simple statements of God, and he makes them very complicated. And that's a sign of a bad teacher. You take a simple thing, and you present it in a very complicated
0: way. Yeah, but he's been very good at it. Very good very at very, it. Very, very good at it. So let's dive into this week's lesson, Cain and his legacy. When we start off here in Genesis chapter 4, let me open my Bible here to Genesis chapter 4. It begins with with this passage. It says, Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Now I'm reading here from the New King James Version, but when you take a look at the original Hebrew here, it's... It's nuanced differently. What's the significance of that?
1: It's very significant because I'm translating from the Hebrew here. And literally it says, I have acquired a man, comma, indeed, the Lord himself. So, I mean, that's different than uh, what you read. Then I have, an, I have acquired a man from the Lord. But we're safe, uh, quite... Because now this is from the original Hebrew. That's what it says, which implies she believed that Cain, her firstborn, was a fulfillment of prophecy in Genesis 3:15, that that uh, the Savior will come to um, to save them and to destroy Satan, and she believed he was the Lord, the Savior. Can you put yourself in the place of Adam and Eve? What a disappointment. They were good parents. I'm sure they were good parents. (laughs) Almost perfect. And here they have two sons. One bad, one good. And not only bad. He was the first murderer.
0: Especially if Eve was expecting him to be the Savior. Savior. Talk about things going badly. Uh, At least from, from her perspective, what she thought was going to be the case and it just went south very fast. Just the, the opposite.
1: From a savior hoped for to a killer and the first murderer. Oh, I, I tell you, I empathize with his parents. And uh, what, what, what a disappointment. What a uh, broke her heart, I'm sure.
0: I'm sure it did. Now let's talk about these, these names. The first son was named Cain. And as I expect you're probably aware, the next son was Abel. We know in the Bible, names mean something. They talk a little bit about who the person is or what their purpose is, where they've come from. And ultimately, we have an idea sometimes of where they're going. But let's talk for a little bit about Cain and Abel and, uh, and where they came from, what, what made them who they were, and so forth. You
1: know, in the Western world, names don't signify much. I mean, I have students who are called, young ladies who are called Hunter. Or, and, you know, I asked the young lady, do you like to hunt? She said, no, it's just a popular name. But in the Bible, names had significance. It represented people's character. It's very interesting. Samuel, God hears my prayers. Daniel, you know, God will vindicate and judge. And, you know, even me, my parents named me Philip, because they wanted me to become evangelists. And I became an evangelist. It's it's really amazing. Now, Cain, uh, we don't think of Cain as a positive name at all. We don't think of that. But yet, the original meaning of Cain in Hebrew is to acquire something precious or important. And his parents viewed them as precious, as special, as important. Just like Lucifer. I mean, what's the meaning of the name Lucifer? You know, the one who diffuses light everywhere. But then he diffused darkness. The, the, and what, what, the, what makes the difference? It just depends how we respond to God. We can spread light if we trust him. We can spread darkness when we distrust him. So Cain means, again, to acquire something precious or important. So what about
0: Abel? We've got Cain I, now. I knew you
1: were going to ask that question. I had
0: a feeling you knew that. So to obtain or to, uh, to acquire something important or precious... That's Cain. This, is, this was supposed to be the Savior. That's right. But then Abel comes in. And, and Abel doesn't get quite as much fanfare. Uh, no. It just kind of, in fact, it says here in verse number two, then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. So it's second child syndrome, You yes. know, some people call it. You don't get yes. not quite as many baby pictures and so right. forth. And it kind of has happened here to Abel as well. there's
1: something special in that part of the world about the firstborn. Like my brother was the firstborn, and uh, he was the leader. And he was like a second father. You look up to him. And so uh, that, but also Abel, his name um, didn't signify much. And his mother and father didn't expect him to be the savior. The focus was on Cain. It's amazing how sometimes we focus on the wrong person, and we ignore the person who is more gentle. More passive, more peaceful. And his name, Abel, means Hebel in Hebrew, means vapor, breath. It's interesting. Like, like vapor. So peaceful, so sympathetic, so nice. And by the way, the significance of their names, the literal meaning of their names, uh, also goes along with their life work. I mean, Abel, you know, strong, mighty, somebody special who had to work hard a farmer you know he has to till the soil mm. but yet abel was a shepherd he tended the sheep you know he didn't create the sheep he just watched over them so it's a job that's peaceful um, mild and uh brought tranquility to his life so it's interesting how the meaning of names also point to their professions Allah, I-
0: incredible how God, all the way back at the beginning, gives us these these ideas of at least where people think they're going, not always where they end up. But uh, I'm thinking of like Jacob. You know, Jacob was heading, uh, made some poor decisions, we'll put it that way. But then he wrestles with God and he gets a new name. And so we've got names here denoting something. Cain, that farmer, uh, hardworking fellow who creates. Well, create might be... a a misnomer here, but he, he makes the, the food come forth, whereas Abel is that shepherd sent sensitive with the, with the sheep. Fascinating how God works with the, with the names.
1: And it all depends on our reaction to our faults, our problems. We can rise up. It's not, the issue is not do we fail. We all fail. Mm. We all have sinned. But what do we do when we are down? Do we rise up like Peter and say, Lord, save me, I don't want to drown? It depends on our reaction. So basically with Cain, he was he offered from what he produced. But you know something? Abel also offered from fruit, uh, the produce of the land. And, and that was okay with God. That was like a, 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 an offering of thanksgiving. But what was so crucial about the blood sacrifice that Cain rejected to offer.
0: Without shedding of blood, there's no remission. So there needed to be that shedding of blood. There needed to be that sacrifice. And Cain, I mean, I'm sure, th- I have no doubt that Cain was a great gardener. Cain was a great farmer. Probably some of his produce tasted phenomenal. If you had tasted Cain's produce, if you had gone to Cain's roadside stand you would have appreciated the quality of his produce, I have no doubt. But that wasn't what God had asked for as a sacrifice. And we're going to come back in just a moment and talk more about the significance of this sacrifice. But before we take our quick break here, I want to remind you stop by the It Is Written store, that's itiswritten.shop, and pick up the companion book to this quarter's Sabbath School study guide on the book of Genesis. You will be blessed. We're going to come back in just a moment and look at the significance of the sacrifice. See you in just a moment.
1: If you enjoy coloring, then you are going to love the Buried Treasure Coloring Book from My Place with Jesus. The Buried Treasure Coloring Book has more than just pictures to color. You'll also enjoy activity pages, each accompanied by their very own audio story. Mr. Dixon came
0: across a small, well-weeded rice patch Out in the middle of a
1: field. Get ahead of a rainy day or a relaxing evening as a family and order the Buried Treasure Coloring Book from It Is Written.
0: Hi, I'm John Bradshaw from It Is Written. The It Is Written Bible studies have been used around the world by people who want to understand the Bible better. They're short, they're easy to use, and they're life-changing. And in them, you'll find the hope and the peace that you've been searching for. Sign up for your Bible guides today at no cost. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to Sabbath School. We are looking at Cain and his legacy. And before we took a quick break, we were talking about the significance of sacrifice and blood. And I I wanted to share this passage from Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 22. Here's what it says It says, And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. So translate that for us. What does that mean?
1: You see, some people, even theologians, say that Christ did not have to shed his blood. He could have just showed his good example of love. But And that could save sinners. But that's impossible, because all have sinned, come short of glory of God. And Romans 6.23 says, For the ways of sin... And we all have sinned, right? So our wage is death. Okay? That's it. And so um, the, we need life. That's why the wage of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So we need eternal life to reverse the death. And nobody can give us eternal life except Jesus. And life is in the blood. So he had to give us his life and, um, and also, when he gave his life, he gave a gift that's unique. You cannot tell me anybody in the world, even an angel, because an angel borrows life from God. He cannot give it. Only Jesus uniquely qualified to give what we lack, and that's, that's life. That's why it's indispensable for us to be saved without the shedding of blood, and therefore the giving of life. And so we're, we're looking
0: back... 2,000 years on that gift that Jesus gave us of his life. And we're talking about Cain and Abel and Adam and Eve. They were looking forward several thousand years. Uh, Of course, you know, Eve thought that the Savior was coming in a much shorter period of time. He didn't. But when they were told to give a sacrifice, it says that Cain gave of his fruit and vegetables, of his works, and Abel gave that that offering that sacrifice God didn't receive Cain's offering why not and what what was Cain's response to that
1: well because he rejected uh, God's instruction for a very meaningful purpose to remind them of the coming lamb of God who was to be sacrificed on the cross and only a blood sacrifice would remind everybody of that fruits are good. I love fruit. I love it too much. But it doesn't save people from death. It gives them nourishment for the present. There's nothing wrong in eating fruit and the produce of the land. But God was looking for a certain act to represent the sacrifice of His Son. After all, apparently the Lord sacrificed two animals in the Garden of Eden to clothe Adam and Eve. To say someday, the son of God will be sacrificed in their behalf, so we, they're saved by looking forward to the cross. We're saved by looking backward to the cross.
0: That's right. And and Abel understood that, or appears to have understood that. He did what God asked him to do. Exactly. And, and God accepted his sacrifice.
1: And it continued sacrifice. for many generations and centuries. Why would God, who made these beautiful innocent animals, why would He allow millions of them to be sacrificed? I mean. God must have been very sad to sacrifice innocent animals, millions of them, for nothing, just for the fun of it. There was a very specific, serious reason to remind everybody, you will be saved by the sacrifice of my son in the future.
0: And and that was something that Cain didn't seem to grasp or didn't seem to care about. He he decided to do things his own way. Right. I'm sure he did it sincerely. Yes. But he was off base. And maybe that's being
1: generous. You know, you know something I, when as a child I lived on a farm and I had a lamb for a pet that followed me everywhere. Can you imagine if somebody came and slit its throat? Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. I mean, it's just one lamb I had. God had many innocent animals for thousands of years. And to see the creator, I wasn't the creator of the lamb. I was just, it's a pet. But God created it. And to see all these animals slaughtered, bloodshed, he would never do that unless there was a real reason to do it. God is not in the business of seeing innocent animals dead. That should convince everybody that we needed Christ to be sacrificed.
0: Absolutely, and praise the Lord that he made that choice for us. Thank God for that. So God accepts Abel's sacrifice he doesn't receive Cain's offering, and Cain gets upset.
1: Talk about that. Well, he was upset in two ways. He was upset with God, he was upset with his brother. You know, can you imagine we are angry with God and we're upset with a fellow man? Well, who do we talk to then? And, and so he was angry with God. Why? Because he, he lost faith. He felt he wasn't respected enough. God, why would you not accept what I've done? My best. His was his best, by the way. But the wrong kind of sacrifice. We can do our best. We can have many good works. But they cannot save us. So there's nothing wrong with the fruit and vegetables. And so he was angry with God. And with his brother, he was jealous of his brother. He compared himself with his brother. I'm the older one. I have respect and dignity. I'm my younger one. He gets all the recognition. He became jealous. And it reminds it harkens back to Lucifer. He was jealous of Jesus. You know, jealousy can bring about murder if you dwell on it. And so, and it says here that he was jealous of his brother. And they talked. He, they talked to each other. And they talking to each other didn't do very well. Because God told Cain, be careful, be careful. If you do well, I'll accept you. But if you don't, sin is waiting for you to get you. The sin longs to have you, but you can move away from it. He warned him. So after that, he had a talk with his brother. Maybe it wasn't a good talk. He blamed his brother for everything. And after that, he just killed him. That's what happened. Jealousy, if it's dwelt on, leads to hatred and murder. Because you want to murder the person you're jealous of. You want to remove him of the scene. I, I don't know if you remember Olympics in the past. There was a skater. Um I don't want to mention the name now. And she hired somebody to cripple with an iron bar her competitor. You know, I mean, so she won't compete. So uh, I would say jealousy is, uh, you know, that's that's a sin that Lucifer committed against Jesus. Anyway, so this is what my th- what about you thought about this well what impresses me about this is
0: once cain has done what he has done god doesn't just completely give up on him he goes looking for cain and, and he asks cain an interesting question he says where's your brother now i think god knew where where abel was i don't think this was an information session where god was trying to gather the answer to the question but he says Where's your brother? And, and Cain has an interesting answer. What is his answer to God? An unbelievable answer.
1: He just killed his brother. He had blood on his hands. And he said, what kind of question is that? How in the world I would know my, where my brother is? I'm not his keeper. I mean, that was a pure lie. He knew exactly where he was. But you know, Eric, this reflects the uh, callous attitude of people today in our culture. People are becoming hardened. I'm so self-centered. Why would I care about my brother? But we're supposed to be our brother's keeper. And so uh, I I read it here. It says here, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? Now then, after that, uh, he said, Well, why would I know? And God said, What have you done? Who shows God what? What What does it tell us about God? The opposite of Cain. He cares. He cares immensely. And he's hurt, and he's moved. And he says, if you don't answer me, the soil, the soil soaked with your brother, but talks to me eloquently. That's how God's like.
0: And we see this, this first murder, Cain murdering his brother Abel. Unfortunately, that's not where sin ends. It gets worse and worse and worse. And, and the lesson this week talks about Lamech,
1: you know, some sins in someone's life are taken from generation to generation unless it's arrested and confessed and forgiven. Lamech also killed a man. He calls him a young man. And he told his two wives. Again, you have polygamy introduced here. He told his two wives, you know, my, my ancestor, uh, Cain, killed a man. And he was to be avenged seven times. And he said about himself, seven times seven. And what does it signify? It signifies that Lamech recognized his sin. He knew he, it was a great sin. But he didn't show any remorse, any feeling. At least, at least Cain said, you know, I mean, what, what shall I do? Can you help me to live? Because everybody wants to, wanted to kill me. Lamech, Lamech didn't care it's just that's the way i am and hardened my sin and if it's 70 times seven it's okay with me and that's all we hear because by that time he was really hardened but there is hope isn't there 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 is hope you have the line of cain but you have the line of seth could you see something about
0: that yeah, the, the line of seth as you take a look at the bible the bible describes groups of people as the sons of god and the daughters of men And there are some very confused theological ideas about these two groups, but the answer, the biblical answer, is actually quite straightforward. The sons of God, those are the descendants of Seth. You've got Seth, you've got Enoch, Methuselah, Noah, and so forth, and examples of people who stood for God. We've got just a short period of time left. Very quickly, what kind of hope do we find in that line? We know that
1: Enoch walked with God. That's the best way to describe the process of sanctification. To walk with God. And he was no more because God took him. It's just like he took uh, Elijah. He he, uh, he was translated. And we better be careful what we say about Enoch because he can hear us now. He's in heaven. Oh, he's been in heaven for so long. Even though we believe in the state of the dead that people do not feel or think or have any compassion because they're dead, but some are there. Moses is there, and Elijah is there, and and uh, Enoch and others. He walked with God. And what we learned from that is today people want to walk with God in heaven, but they don't like to walk with him (laughs) here on planet Earth. Have you met people like that? There are quite a few of them. Jesus loves me. He saved me. He shed his blood for me so I can enjoy his future salvation but I can't stand walking with him. And how can people walk together unless they agree, the Bible says. And so I meet people like this, students, who have this false assurance. I must and I will walk with Jesus in heaven, but here on this earth, doesn't matter. I don't like to pray or read my Bible or witness or walk with Jesus. The only way we'll be able to walk with Jesus in heaven to walk with him in this earth. Because of that, we need to prepare and knowing what's coming upon the world. We're not trying to scare anybody, but as as the flood of water was real, the flood of fire will be real. And now Peter says, "What man of life shall you live? Now is the time to repent. Now is the time to make things right with God. Otherwise, we'll regret that when it's too late." That's right. Unfortunately, we have that time
0: today. You and I both do. So my hope and prayer is that we will be ready for that day when Jesus comes back. Thank you for joining us as we took a look today at Cain and his legacy. And our hope and prayer is that we will follow Abel and his legacy. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you next time on Sabbath School.